expecting from God today. And um, some of you were invited by someone. Someone told you you need to come. And some of you just are part of the family here. And uh, today, this message is really for everyone. It's not just for the lost. It's not just for those that are struggling with alcohol and drugs and all other kinds of stuff. This is really for the church and for the body because we all tend to find ourselves in a struggle and at times bound to certain things in our lives. Today I'm going to try to go ahead and give you just the overview introduction to it. Next week maybe we'll get a little bit more deeper into it and we'll see how many weeks we got to go into this. But today I want to kind of introduce to you deliverance. And I want you to know today that deliverance is for you. Amen. If deliverance is not for you, then the cross and what Jesus did wasn't for us. And all that took place because he needed you to know that deliverance was for us. And I want to start off with something that awesome Bible teacher John MacArthur says. And I, want to, I, don't, I think this is a great way to start off the, today's message. And John MacArthur says this. You could ask yourself, and, ask yourself, how do you know that? And how do you know that you're a Christian? And you say, well, I prayed a prayer. That won't do it. I went forward at a meeting. I felt very emotional and even I cried and I went down there and I talked to someone. No, that's not how you can tell that you're a Christian. Well, I felt really bad. I did some things and I felt really bad and I got into a predicament in my marriage, in my life. And I felt so bad that I just needed help from God and I reached up. That won't do it. Well, I believe, I actually believe in God and I believe in Jesus, so I must be a Christian. How about that? I was baptized, I mean, I was baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And he says here, he goes on to say this, you see, all of that is looking at an event. It might, it might have been a physical event or an emotional event, but that doesn't tell that you're saved. That just tells you that you have prayed. Look what he says. Lots of people pray who aren't going to heaven. You went forward. Oh, lots of people go forward. And in some meetings, they don't get saved. They're not converted. They don't belong in the family of God. And yes, a lot of people feel bad. And a lot of people believe. But even the demons believe and feel bad about their faith. And lots of people get baptized. And that's not it. There isn't any event that's occurred in your life that can itself verify that you are a Christian. True salvation, and I want you, because I'm going to go back to this last statement. True salvation is revealed and manifest by the divine work of the Holy Spirit in delivering you. Powerful last statement. I love the way he ends it. Because many times we've done this, God. We've been here, God. We went through this, God. And I love this last statement. That true salvation, it is revealed and manifested by the divine work of the Holy Spirit in our lives delivering us. I love when I meet with someone and they come up to the altar and we pray for them. And I'm going to be honest with you. At times I pray with faith and at times I lack some faith. But I love the times when they just come back and they say, you'll never guess what happened to me last time I went up to the front. And I'm like, what? And I'm hoping something good comes out of it. And they say, I've been freed. I've been delivered. I've been set free. My drug addictions are gone. My alcoholism has gone. My sexual relationships are gone. And there's something, there's joy that comes into your heart because you start to realize the manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit in deliverance. You guys are there? And that's what I want to talk to you about today, that deliverance is for you. So as we talk about this God, and I hope you're taking notes because I'm going to go ahead and break down some things for you. As we talk about God, we get to see him as a rescuer. We get to see him as a deliverer. Know that and write that down. You see, God brought a plan of deliverance. How many of you can say amen to that? God brought a plan of deliverance. Why? For who? Because of you and for you. God brought a plan for deliverance. So we can't talk about all of God's attributes 
and leave out one very important and clearly seen attribute in the scripture, and that is that he is God, our deliverer. Amen. And you'll see it all over scripture. That's why in Psalms chapter 68, verse 20, it says this, that God is to us a God of deliverance. You know, when you grab that word deliverance and you break down the Greek, and you break down in Psalms the Hebrew of the word deliverance or in the word salvation, you start to realize that the word salvation, when you break it in the Hebrew, it means deliverance. It means that God came to save the world, change that word saved, and put God came to deliver the world. The Hebrew and the Greek really expound and get a whole lot deeper into it. In Psalms chapter 40 verse 17, and in Psalms chapter 70, verse 5, it repeats the same thing twice. You are my help and you are my what, church? Deliverer. Say it like you mean it. You are my help and you are my deliverer. The psalmist understood what he was writing. Oh my God. Psalms 144, verse 1 and 2. It says, blessed be the Lord my rock. And then he goes on to describe his attributes. And guess what he says? My loving kindness, my fortress, my stronghold, and together, church, my deliverer. What do you see here? You can't take away that God is a deliverance God. You know, people look into that with a religious scope, and they begin to judge churches that believe in the work of the Holy Spirit in delivering people. Well, I'm going to tell you right here in New Life, we believe in deliverance. Amen? We believe that God came over here to set you free. And when I say set you free, I'm talking about the deliverance power of the Holy Ghost. God is a God of deliverance. And nowhere in Scripture do I see the Lord desiring for me to be undelivered. I don't see that. We see it so all over the Old Testament, and we see it all over the New Testament. We see it in the Old Testament. From delivering an infant child from the waters who was in danger of dying. To calling his name Moses. When you study that name Moses, you see that it's closely associated with the word deliverer. To draw out. And then choosing this man who was delivered from danger more than once. Delivered him more than once. To then go and deliver his people from the suffering and the bondage. Of the Egyptians. You know, there was a time when the disciples came to Jesus. Jesus just finished preaching a message and everyone got offended. Guess who got offended? The religious people, the Pharisees got offended at Jesus. And I'm giving you a reference in Matthew if you're taking notes, chapter 15. And in Matthew 15, verse 12, the disciples come to Jesus and guess what they say? You know, Jesus, the Pharisees got really mad at you in what you just said. You think Jesus really cared about what the Pharisees thought? Oh, really? Let's go have a cup of coffee with them. Maybe that will make them feel better. So here the, 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 the disciples and say, the religious people are really mad at you, Jesus. Really upset at you what you said. Look what Jesus says. Every plant that might, and this is... Um, I know it's not up there. I'm just giving you a, top, um, a Matthew 15, verse 12 and on. It says, Jesus says, Every plant that my heavenly Father has planted will be pulled out by the root. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. Now watch what he says here. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a pit. This is awesome. This is awesome. Because here's Moses. God had to rescue him out. Because he needed to understand what deliverance meant. In order for him to be a vessel of deliverance to deliver others. And he knew that if Moses never went through deliverance, Moses was never going to be able to function under the anointing of the Holy Spirit deliverance. So in order for Moses to function in the anointing of deliverance, he needed to be an individual that went through the process of, of deliverance himself. Catch that. If you've never been delivered... You're never going to deliver anyone else. You guys got what I'm saying? Because Moses would have drowned in those waters if he would have not have been delivered. But because Moses was delivered, he went to Egypt and delivered millions out of the hand of Pharaoh. What is the lesson you learned there? It's in the Old Testament. 
My God is a deliverance God. Can you say amen to that? In the New Testament, you could clap in church, guys. This is a church that we allow that. For God be the clap and the glory. Amen. We see it in the New Testament as well. We see it all over, all over Scripture. In the New Testament, we see it as well. A young child born and raised in the lowliest region and in the lowliest place lifts up and rises up in humility. And God uses this young child to take over and change the world and be salvation to this world and Savior and to deliver this world from its sin as he dies on the cross through his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In the Old Testament, through the New Testament, everywhere in between, and if you study the book of Revelation, which we'll get there in the weeks to come, you're going to see that deliverance is still not over for God's people because there's going to be a point right after, before we get into that tribulation period, that the Bible says then God will come and deliver his people from the wrath to come in Revelation. What am I trying to tell you? There's an attribute you can't leave out to God, and that is that in the Old Testament... People were getting delivered. In the New Testament, people were getting delivered. And in the times to come today and tomorrow, people are going to still continue to get delivered. Why? Because the God that we sang to today and cry out to today, he is God our deliverer. Amen. How many of you can testify of how God has delivered you from things in your life? Look at the hands. Amen. Amen. If there's one thing that I can tell you today, and this is what it is, it's that if you walked in bound in areas in your life, and you walked in through these doors bound to those areas, now please listen to me, and you leave the same way bound, then it's because you didn't want it enough. Because nowhere in Scripture do I see that God doesn't want you to deliver you today. Did you hear what I just said? So if you came here today and maybe you're visiting us and you came with this heaviness and you came with all these problems and you walk out the same way, you didn't want it enough because God wants you to get delivered right now, right here, today, in this place. And I believe it without a shadow of a doubt. And I'll put my faith on it and I'll take all the fingers and all the blame, but I'm believing that my God is greater. And I mean, I believe it. I believe that God is willing, he's able, and he can deliver you today. So don't walk out of here not experiencing what this deliverance is all about. So what is it? The Hebrew word, when you describe what it means and you write it down, it means this. Ready? Write this down. To set free. It means to take and to hand it over. Another meaning is to leave for another, kind of like the children of Israel. They were in Egypt, they leave for a land that was promised to them, deliverance. So when you look at it, look at it from this aspect as I try to break down what deliverance is for you. Here we go. I want you to look at it in the aspect of giving birth. And women that have given birth, you're going to be able to understand what I'm talking about spiritually when it comes to deliverance. When you give birth and you talk about deliverance, it means to cause oneself to produce as by giving birth. Is there anyone here today that's pregnant? We just want to say good luck and may the Lord be with you. No one? All right. Good. So it's going to be an encouraging message for all of you that already had children. Here we go. To cause oneself to produce by giving birth. Now catch this. How do we ever... Expect to produce if we're still holding in that in which God had called us to deliver. And this is what deliverance is all about. You see, many of us are stuck. Many of us are not producing. We're not growing anymore. We're not learning. We're just stagnant. 
You want someone else to teach you. You want someone else to lead you. You want someone else to guide you. Listen, when you come in touch with God, you don't need anything. It's just you and God eating from the table of God, receiving the blessings of God, and you start growing, and you start getting this fire. But many of us are stuck in this place that nothing is happening. Nothing is going on in our lives. Watch this, because we haven't allowed God to deliver us in areas in our life. How can we ever produce in the work of the Lord if there are things that are still holding us back? The Bible says that he who is fit for the kingdom of God is the one that won. That what? Puts his hand to the plow and does not what? Look back. You want to go to the kingdom of God? Yeah, God. Yeah, God. All right. This is what you got to do. Ready? Work for me. Work for me. Work for me. Yes, God. Yes. But no, you can't look back because then you won't be able to enter into the kingdom of God. You see, many of us find ourselves and we haven't allowed the God of deliverance in those portions of our lives that we're still holding back. Now think about if I grab a pregnant woman and I place her right here. And I grab another woman who just gave birth with her brand new, newborn baby right in her hand. So you have pregnant woman with her belly popping out right here. And woman with a baby in her hands that she just gave birth a couple months ago right to my right. Deliverance. It means this. When you get delivered, there better be produce in your life. If there is no produce or no fruit in your tree, it's because there are things in your life you still need to get delivered from. You guys understand what I'm saying? So to produce is to see the results that we are expected or expecting ourselves to see. For example, if a woman is pregnant, month one, she doesn't see no results yet. She starts to feel results, right? Vomiting and all these other kind of, I don't know, never been there. And all these other things. Month two, maybe they're getting a little bit used to the nausea and all the other things. But once they start getting deeper into their pregnancy, they begin to see what? Results. And their belly begins to grow and it shows evidence that something is in them. Can you imagine meeting someone that has been pregnant for two years when are you going to give birth? I don't know. I've been carrying this thing for two years already. Imagine how frustrating that is. What are you going to do? I don't know. You know. Think about that in the physical. It doesn't make sense. Nine months, sometimes before, sometimes right after. But normally nine months, you deliver that baby. But how many Christians are walking with that thing that God has called them to deliver and they're still coming to church and they're still leading the worship and they're still preaching the gospel and they're still involved in ministry and they're walking around with this big old belly and God is just looking at them and saying, you want me to use you to your full potential. You want me to use you in the power of God. You want the Holy Spirit to work, but you haven't given birth to what's inside of you yet. You see, you'll never be able to produce if you've never gone through deliverance. How many of you want to be a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God? Amen. I do, Pastor Rico. I promise you I do. Then it's time to get delivered from all the junk in your life so that you can become someone else's deliverer. Man, I'm talking the word of God to you guys today. You will never see the promise in your womb, which is expected results. You'll never see the expected results. Check this. Write this down. You'll never see the expected results. I'm going to say it again. You will never see the expected results unless you enter through or go through deliverance. See, deliverance it's freedom. It generates the expected results that God has for you, and it begins to manifest. So what am I trying to tell you this morning is this. Ready? You need to be delivered in every area in your life. I've asked you a question earlier. How many of you can testify that you've been delivered and many of you raised your hands? Now that's fine. Amen. 
But you need to be delivered in every area of your life. Now watch this. In order for God to use you in every area in your life. If you, got, if you want God to use you in, one of, in each and one of those areas, you need to deliver up every single one of those areas unto God. See, we cannot say, well, I want to hold on to this and still believe that God is going to use me. Eh. That's failure in Christianity. We cannot say, I want to hold on to this area of my life, but I still have belief and have faith. That Jesus is going to use me. And we all go to the scripture. He used the donkey, you know. Are you really satisfied in being the donkey that God uses you? <laughs> I don't want to be a donkey. And we're keeping it clean because if you read the King James, I mean, it gets a little bit more intense. Amen. Donkey. That God uses you. Are you satisfied with such a life? I don't know about you, but God is calling us to be more effective. To be more powerful. To be more blessed. So we need to be delivered. And watch God take us hostage. And watch the Holy Spirit manifest deliverance in our lives. Amen. Back to what John MacArthur said. What I said earlier. True salvation is revealed and manifest by the divine work of the Holy Spirit delivering you. Now, here we go. Why do so many people become satisfied in staying bound? You can write that down. Why do so many people become satisfied with staying bound? What does this mean, bound? The word bound means to be confined, to be restrained. Constrained, now write this down because I'm going to break this down. Constrained with legal authority. Write that down. Constrained with legal authority. That's what the word bound means. Now, when you look at it from the earthly and the physical, someone cannot be constrained or bound, cannot be thrown into prison. Now, listen, unless the authorities that declare that individual as guilty for a lawless act, correct? If you commit a crime, the authorities that be have the authority to what? To bind you, to constrain you, and place you in prison, or to cause you to what? Deal with the consequence of the law that you just broke. If you break a law, and Maori breaks a law, I can't just go up to Maori as a normal citizen of the United States and of Miami and say, Maori, shame on you. I can't believe you just broke the law. Come with me. And I can't grab Maori and get, put handcuffs on him and say, I'm taking you to the court. I'm taking you to the jailhouse. Why? Because I do not have any legal authority to constrain him and to place him to deal with his consequences. All I can say is, I'm going to pray for you, brother. I hope you don't do it again. But nothing in me has the authority to say, I'm going to let you now. I'm going to cause you now to go to jail and to prison. Now, some of you in here that are, law, are in the law, and some of you say, oh, yeah, let me have him. I can take care of it for you. But that's fine. But if you're not under legal authority, I'm going to get somewhere with this. You cannot send him to prison. Now, when you look at this in the spiritual, remember that you are mind, body, and spirit. Amen? Meaning that you are not only physical, but you have a spiritual in you. I'm going to make my point. When you break a law, when you commit a lawless act, you have to deal with the punishment and the consequence of breaking that law. No one will say amen to that, but amen? Now we teach and we heavily believe, especially here at New Life, this, ready? That if you sin, which is lawlessness, you will deal with the consequences of that sin. Amen? In here, we'll never preach a gospel to you. That says sin has been defeated 
and you're no longer anymore sin, and you can do whatever you want, and sin doesn't exist anymore. That is heresy. There's still such thing as sin. And I'm here to tell you that if you sin, we deal with what? The consequences of sin. Amen. We teach that here. Good. Good. We got it. The Bible says that you reap what you what? So. But Paul in Romans chapter 6, 1 says this. We don't continue to sin so that grace may abound. What does he say right after that? Certainly not. We don't continue to sin and say, well, God's grace is going to fill me. I could keep sinning. Certainly not. Why am I sharing all this with you? Why all this? Here we go. Because us continuing to live in a certain sin, allowing the power, or better yet said, the rulers that be, to have authority to bind us in those areas, okay, we're going to break this down really quick, and we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, and you all know the scripture. And in Ephesians 6, 12, it tells us what we're faced against. Now, we know that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We've been delivered from that, I hope. I hope you're not going in the street, someone cuts you off. Get out of the car, me and you, right now, baby. Let's take care of this. We don't fight against flesh and blood, okay? Someone uh, cuts you off in the shopping cart, boom, in Publix, what? Boom, boom. Like, we don't do those things anymore. We don't attack like that, you know. At least those things we've been delivered from, amen? Some of you are like, no, man, I'm, I'm just ready right now if someone does that to me. That's fine. <laughs> don't, just deal with that. We don't fight against flesh and blood. You get that? Give me an amen if you got that. Amen. amen. What do we fight against? Principalities. Say the next thing. Powers. What's the next thing? Rulers. What's the next thing? Spiritual host of wickedness. Now watch this. Here we go. Write this down in your notes. And I'm going to break down what I just meant with Maori. What is a principality? Does anyone know what a principality? All of you just say, a demon. Eh. But what is his role? Let's learn today in church. A principality is this. A principality is a ruler. Not just a ruler, but a powerful ruler. Someone who rules, guess what? In authority. One who is high up in the ranks. What does this teach us in this verse about demons and Satan? That Satan has what in his demons? Ranks. And in those ranks, some of them are called what? Principalities. And these principalities are what? Powerful rulers with authority over people's lives. And in the spiritual realm. Don't get that wrong. So when we sin... And let's be clear on this. And we continue to live in a certain sin. Please don't miss this. Because we're going to talk about your deliverance today. We are giving access to the enemy to place principalities over our lives. Some of you have never heard this word be preached before. You mean to tell me that if I continue to live in sin, I'm opening up the door to Satan? Guess what the Bible teaches? Yes. Yeah. Satan says, hey, you're calling me? He places principalities over our lives. Now remember what I said earlier. In order for us to be bound or thrown into prison, the authorities that be, the rulers that have that authority to declare that we, the individual, have been found guilty of a lawless act. What does that mean? As we continue to sin in our lives, we are letting the spiritual realm know that I have decided not to be holy, but to live in sin. And Satan sees that. Principalities come to your house, into your life, and they begin to come in because of the sin in your life. And as they begin to come in, they have authority, watch this, and they have a special power to rule in your life because they've been given that authority if the door's been opened to them. Watch this. So whenever there is lawless acts, whenever there is a breaking a law, whenever there is sinning against God, you are giving the approval and the stamping for the enemy 
to bring forth principalities, which are a different kind of rank of demons that have the authority to imprison you and to hold you captive and to leave you bondage. Are you guys seeing that? Many of us have been prayed for healing for a long time. Many of us are praying for breakthroughs for a long time. Many of us have been praying for so much for a very long time. But you will never get it if principalities are still having authority over your life. Because the Bible says this, that wherever darkness is, light cannot be found. And wherever there is light, darkness cannot be found in it. So if we're giving authority and rulership to the spiritual host of wickedness called principalities, then God says you will either love what? You will have two masters, you'll serve both, but you'll love one, what? More than the other. And because we're fleshful and because we're carnal, our main desire is always going to be to what? Love sin more than to love holiness. But when the Holy Spirit, who has been giving spiritual authority over your life, begins to captivate your life and binds you to the laws of God, then that wretched man that Paul said he was and that you are transitions from evil to pure and righteousness. You give God a hand for that. So you want to be delivered. I want you first off, before you want to get delivered and answer this question, I want you to look into your life really quick. Is there anything in your life that you are giving Satan a hold of? Is there any sin found that allows the enemy, watch this now, to have a stronghold over you? I want you to examine your life. I want to be delivered. What is there anything in your life that Satan has a stronghold? That principalities have authority over your life. Catch this. Sin leads to problems. And a huge problem is this. Is that sin opens up the door to your enemy. Does everyone understand that? The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death. Yeah, it's no good. Death. No good. You're, if you're looking for a good answer, you might make it. No, no, it's death. When that door is open, Satan places a principality that Ephesians chapter 6 talks about. And that principality, don't miss this, guys, because I'm just breaking down the introduction here. That principality places what's called strongholds over your life. You've heard us pray, Lord, I ripped down those strongholds. Well, now you're getting a bigger and wider understanding of what a principality is and a bigger and wider understanding of what a stronghold is. So now when you pray, Lord, I ripped down those strongholds, even though I don't know what it is, God. Now you know what a stronghold is. Okay? The principalities begin to place strongholds in your life, which then leaves you bound. And this is why we're teaching this today, because right now, right there is where deliverance needs to occur in your life. Now, key step to deliverance. Write this down. Key step to deliverance. Have you given Anything else, and write this in bold letters, circle it or underline it. Have you given anything else, ready, legal authority over your life other than God today? Write that down. Because if your answer is actually, yes, I have. I've given God authority, but I've also given these things in my life authority to sin. Then there's something wrong in your life. Either God has all authority over your life or nothing at all. Amen? He wants all of us. Well, God's a stingy God. Actually, if you know the commandments, he says, have no other gods but me, for I am a what? Jealous God. And that doesn't mean that God is jealous and he has this burning heart. I can't believe you left me for another. It means that God is the only one and true God, and he desires to be all of you. Don't go off with some false doctrine about God being a jealous God, okay? I know very famous people have done that. Think about strongholds in your life. So what is a stronghold? Here we go. Think about people that are hurt all over the world. Can any of you think of anyone that's hurt? Maybe in your family? Don't say their name out loud. The children that are not being cared for. Children that are being rejected and pushed aside. People that have no direction in their lives. They're confused. They're just wandering around aimlessly. No goal, no objective, no aim. 
People that are in mental and physical and spiritual prison, and they're all leading to the same place, eternal damnation, eternal prison, having a life sentence over their lives. That is scary. Anxiety. Look at people with anxiety. And maybe as I'm speaking today, some of you guys are like, yo, man, he's talking about me. And that's fine because today's going to be your deliverance. I'm believing that today. Anxiety. Look at the people that suffer from depression. So many people in this world suffer from low and maybe absolutely no self-esteem whatsoever. Look at all the crazy phobias that we have nowadays in this world. Habits. Alcohol abuse. Drug addicts. Drug abuse. Unsafe living. Sexual activity. People that are just filled and being promiscuous. Think about all the physical pain and disease and mental and emotional and spiritual loss. Think about all these things. People that are just crying out, waiting for them to die. They just want to die and get out of this world. Like if what awaits them in eternity is a whole lot better. They're unable to see that God has a far more excellent and abundant life. They are struggling to trying to break free. Unable to come into the freedom that was promised to them. They're unable to understand that the pride of their freedom has already been paid. And all they have to do is come to Jesus. I want you to know that if you're one of those, deliverance is for you. It's for us and it's for them. Amen? You know, some of the people that struggle most are people inside the church. I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter what professionals say. I'm for psychologists. I'm for psychiatrists. I'm for for all those things with godly advice. I'm for that with godly advice. But it really doesn't matter what they say. All these things that I just mentioned is not what people are bound by or bound to. I'm going to explain something to you. Ready? These are the manifestations of their bondage. What do I mean by that? A drug addict is not bound to his drugs. A drug addict is bound, which causes him to do drugs. Good. You're getting the stronghold now. So now when you pray for strongholds, know what it is. An alcoholic is not bound to alcoholism. An alcoholic is bound, which leads them to become an alcoholic. A sexual pervert is not bound to sexuality and promiscuous behavior. But their bound causes them to act in such a way. They are manifestations, everything that I just mentioned, of their bondage. Amen? So what am I trying to say? Ready? I wish I could use someone as an example. Amen? Good. My brother was here the other day, Jared, and we were praying for him. And I promise you, I'm not lying. He's right here to testify. He says, Pastor Rigo, you don't understand. I could never see myself getting set free. I could never see myself breaking from this. I could never see myself getting rid of everything that I'm doing in my life. And I looked at him and says, I could see God doing it. Why? Ready? Because when he was confessing that to me, little did he know is that I believe this. Ready? That he's not bound to drugs. Ready? That he is bound, which causes him to do drugs. So when I pray over an individual, I don't pray, God, release him from drugs and cocaine and crack. Release them from alcohol and sexual activity. I say, release them from the grip of Satan, which causes him to do those things. See the difference? Because what am I doing? I'm praying over something that has no power over you. If I pray over your alcoholism and over your drug habits, I'm not praying over anything with power. You get that? Guys, you, none of you better come up to say, well, I'm not learning in church. This is right now. I'm teaching you right now. I'm not going to go to Maori and say, oh, I don't want to use Maori because they're going to think that, that you have this problem, whatever. I'm not going to go to an individual. <laughs> I'm freaking out Maori today. And say, Lord, free them. Free them from depression. No. Because what does depression have over you? But instead say, Lord, free them from the principality over their life that is causing them to have depression so that depression will be no more. I cast out every demon that is assigned to his life. They got to go. Because as long as the demon is in there, say, ah, you haven't prayed over me yet. You just prayed over what I caused him to have. And he leaves with the same old spirits attacking his life. Because you haven't hit the matter of the heart. And that is that Satan has access and legal authority 
over that individual. I'm going to do an altar call today, and I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and if you need to go, you're going to be able to go, and we love you, and be back here next Sunday. Do not miss next Sunday. Invite everyone you know. I'm praying that we have to have people sitting all over the place because we want you to invite everyone you know because there's a lot of people that we know that need to get delivered. Amen? Amen. But today we're going to have an altar call, and I'm going to believe for your deliverance today as I'm almost done with the word. I'm going to let you say something right at the end. Amen? Here we go. Romans 12.2 is clear on this. Ready? Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Now, stay right there. I'm going to jump to Proverbs 23.7. And this is just the introduction. Ready? Proverbs 23.7 says this. For as a man thinketh, he what? He is. As a man thinks in his heart, he is. Now, catch this. The enemy knows the word of God. Remember Jesus Christ in the wilderness? Remember him in the desert? How did the enemy attack Jesus? With the word of God. How did Jesus overcome the enemy? With the word of God, the true word of God. The enemy came twisting the word. Jesus came straightening up his twisting word, okay? So the enemy knows the word of God, so he knows that how you think is eventually how you will begin to what? Act. So what does he do? He puts in your mind that you are defeated because he knows this, that if you think that you're defeated, guess what you're going to begin to do? You're going to begin to act and walk like you're defeated. That's why I tell people, get out of it. Get out of your slump. Lift up your chest. Put up your nose. Put up your eyes. Look at the goal. Look at your objective. Look at the cross. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious. Head not the tail. You are above not beneath. Get up. You can do it, but I'm in sin. I don't care. Get up. Look forward. Stop thinking that you are being taken over. Because the minute that Satan has you thinking that, you become it. Amen? So therefore... He puts in your mind, I'm defeated, you're defeated, and you begin to believe it. Now watch this. The alcoholic thinks he needs to have alcohol in order to make it out, but what happens? They are bound because the devil has control over their mind. The drug addict thinks they, can survive without, they can't survive without it, therefore they are bound because the devil has control over their mind. The sex-craved person thinks they will not survive without sex, therefore they punishes their own body because the devil has control over their mind, and that is called what? Bondage over the mind of people. Don't miss that. Back to Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, to the way of its thinking, but be what? Transformed by your body, by your soul, by your spirit, by your what? What does scripture say? By the renewing of your what? Say, church, mind. You guys catch that? Conquer your mind. And as soon as you conquer your mind, everything else is going to be conquered in your life. You're going to be victorious. Romans 12, 2 teaches that. Do not be conformed, but be transformed and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Today you might find yourself, and you might find yourself saying, well, I have sin in my life which have opened up these doors to Satan. And Satan has brought forth principalities which now have caused strongholds over my life. Now, don't get this wrong and don't get distracted. They're going to walk up here as quiet as they can. Don't get distracted from what God wants to do right now. If there are strongholds in your life, and you can name them. Don't name them right now. But you can name them. You can name every sin, every lawless act that you've committed. But I'm going to be very honest with you. I had a meeting with someone last night, and I told them this. I could care less what you've done and what you said. I could care less what you've been at. I could care less where you're going. All I care about today is that we cast out every demon in your life. We get set free, delivered, and we start living for God. We start all over. What I say, you start off where you left off at. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. Can I do that? When his son, the, the son, when he left and he began to eat with pigs, it says the Bible says that what? He came, the prodigal son, it says that he came to his what? His mind. He came back to his senses. What does scripture say? I need to go back to my father's house. For they live better life over there than I'm living right now. What happens? Ready? He runs to his father's house. And the Bible says that the father just waits for him on his recliner saying, there you are, punk. I've been waiting for you to come back. No. What does the Bible say? It says that he ran to him. He kissed him on his neck. He hugged him and kissed him on his neck. And watch this. Hurry up. Bring out what? Put, him on, put on the what? The robe. Put on what? The ring. Put on what? The shoes. What does that show us? That that son that once lost everything because he allowed principalities and strongholds in his life, when he came back to Jesus, watch what Jesus does. Ready? He gives you everything back like if you've never lost it. Why is that? Because that's what we believe in here and we teach here. That's our doctrine. Ready? It's called justification. 
just as if I've never sinned, just as if I've never turned away from justification. I come back to God. He puts on the same clothing that I had, the same shoes, and the same ministry is still for me. Why? Because God doesn't care where you've been or what Satan did. All he cares is that the child is back with the father. The Bible says that he leaves all 99 to rescue that one. What am I trying to show you today? Come to Jesus. Get delivered. And let him restore to you once what you once had and pick it up where you left off and stop worrying about everything in between those two points because everything in between the Bible says he erases it as far as the east is from the west as far as the ocean floor what does that mean try to go east and find it you'll never find it you'll just keep going in circles it's unfindable <laughs> can't find it <laughs> so here I go we're gonna do some worship we're gonna have some worship and I'm not even going to try to cheerlead you in and do a little exercise to try to pressure you to come up to the front. If one comes up, then that's for them. But this is my altar call to you as we begin to worship God. If you need deliverance in your life, the altar is open and you can come up. If you want to stay bound, then stay bound. I'm going to end with one more verse. Psalms. Chapter 91. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. What does it say next? Oh, man. I will deliver him, but I love how Jesus is. And not only will I deliver him, but I will what? Manny, come here because I'm going to miss you, man. Come here. He says, I'm going to deliver him. And not only do I deliver him, I honor him. And I do this to him. This is the work of the Christ. This is the work of the Jesus that we speak about. He doesn't just deliver you, but he brings you in and honors you. And he says, man, I left all 99 just for you, my brother. I kiss you on your neck and I put back your robe and I put back your sandals in the ring. I give you everything that you left off at. Receive your deliverance. Forget about what's in between A to Z. Just get to me now. Let's get delivered. Let's get set free. And let's not give access to Satan anymore. And let's live in righteousness and holiness from now on. I love you. This is what he does. He honors you. That scripture is powerful. With long life I will satisfy and I will show him my salvation. You know what that word salvation means in the Hebrew? My deliverance. I will answer him. I will deliver him, I will honor him, and I will show him my deliverance. I will answer him. I will deliver him. I will honor him, satisfy him. We're going to worship God. If you want to stand, stand up and let's worship the Lord if you want. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. As simple as this, if you want to receive the power of God, you want God just to change you, you need deliverance. I'm believing for your deliverance right now. The altar's open. The altar's open. Hallelujah. Father, begin to fill them, Lord.
right now Lord one of the definitions that we said for deliverance was to turn to another to leave one behind turn to another to take and hand over and as we broke down legal authority we're believing that right now over their lives that they hand over legal authority they take it from the grip of Satan and that they will hand over legal authority back to God where it belongs. Back to the Holy Spirit where it belongs. That Satan will not have legal authority, but that God will have legal authority over their lives from this day forward. Yes and amen. We thank you today. We thank you today. I want this church to worship like it's the last time you're going to worship. As we speak today, and I'm sorry that I have to add sports, but thousands among thousands, more than 100,000 will be at a stadium today to worship the teams and the players that they root for. And I'm not saying that that's wrong and that's fine to give praise to your team and say, go win. But I don't know about you, but God deserves the highest praise. God deserves the highest shout. God deserves the loudest scream in Jesus' name. You know, today, we like to do this song here because it's more than a song that pumps you up. It's a song that has meaning. And when I say that Satan is under my feet, listen to me. He's under my feet. I've given legal authority to God. I've given legal authority to the Holy Spirit. So 
under my feet. Under my feet. I'm going to the end of this
Lift up your lives right now as we lift up our arms as a sign of us submitting to the will of God. And here we go. Say, Jesus, we have the victory. Satan is under our feet. Today, I've received my deliverance. I went back to the camp, to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. I have victory. The blood of Christ covers me. I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed and justified. And justified in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. you today and we love you today oh lord because lord god this ministry this church and individuals in this place today have received their break today and that lord today they receive father god what they've been wanting and that is deliverance in areas in their lives lord as we continue to get into this as the weeks come lord i pray that if there's anyone today that did not receive the deliverance of god that next week that during the week Next Sunday, Lord, that we will receive it, that we will know that you don't want us bound, that you don't want us defeated. You have so much more for us. Lord, I pray that there will be such an excitement in our hearts, such a leap in our spirit, that we can do nothing but share the good news to people that we love and know. I pray that we will do whatever it takes to bring those individuals to the house of God, where they can experience what we've just experienced right now in this place. So, Lord, give us a desire to do it, to win us all, to bring them into the house so that they can declare that they have the victory as well. Bless this day. Put a hedge of protection. Let your angels surround us and let us begin to walk in full victory and deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. And together we say amen and amen. Hallelujah. Give someone a hug. Women, 